invite you this evening to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We have, <clears throat> we have gone through several verses here in this second chapter. It's a chapter you might find read throughout Christmas many times. Maybe all at one time you would, you've heard the reading of all 40 verses. And we picked up a while back a few weeks ago in about verse 21. And we have shared some different messages. We have talked about a prophetess named Anna during this message. Before that, a man of God named Simeon. All along the lines of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the miracle that came to us. And tonight we're going to look at verses 39 and 40. And we're just going to share a simple thought tonight that Jesus is perfect for all people. Verse 39, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Thank God for these words of truth. In this world, you'll hear many things said about the birth of Jesus. Jesus as a baby. Jesus through His childhood. And you'll hear so many things that are untrue. So many things that would take away from His testimony. But they're lies. And we know that because what we have before us is the accurate account of our Lord Jesus Christ. His birth as an infant, as a baby, and through His childhood. We have the factual information right here. Jesus manifested Himself on this earth, and He grew. He developed physically. He developed spiritually. He developed mentally. And He developed in every way. He developed socially. All of this manifestation is for our benefit, of course. Jesus has always been everything that He is. He's Creator. God used Him to create all things. But He manifested Himself and He went through these stages. And that is for you and I as the great example that He is. As we look at His childhood, we will see some very familiar things to the upbringing of other children. We will also see some very unique things by way of his balance of having Joseph and Mary as his parents and also being the Son of God. And what we find here in even the childhood of Jesus, it's good for every single one of us and helpful for us all. And there's some things we're going to see here that maybe we don't talk about often, but the first thing I'd like us to look at 
is His perfect righteousness at the beginning of verse 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. We've shared how Mary went through 40 days of purification after the birth of the Lord Jesus. The ceremonial law being fulfilled. Jesus was circumcised. Jesus was led by His parents from His birth to the immediate fulfilling of the law of the Lord. Ultimately, this leading upon Joseph and Mary for Jesus in this was from God. God led them to have Jesus to fulfill all of the law from birth because God sent Jesus into this world to fulfill the law. Not to destroy the law. By the way, we would all be destroyed under the law if it were up to us because we couldn't fulfill the law of God. No one ever has but Jesus. Some people are doing the best they can to live by the commandments. What a waste of time. Because what God in written form, the commandments require, is perfection. And Jesus came to fulfill all the law of God for us. And here we see that it happened from His birth, throughout His childhood, and the entirety of His 33 years upon this earth. Jesus provided a perfect righteousness for us by His life. It's a present for us. And those who have trusted Him, Jesus lives inside them. And there's a power within to help us to be able to live according to His pattern. To live the Christian life consists of looking to Jesus. We have His words. We have the Word of God. But we have the person of Jesus to look to. The struggle that goes on in the Christian life. And and there's something that we simply fail to do sometimes, and that is look to Jesus. We're to look to Him. The perfect man. The Son of God. Who kept the law of God. Every single observance of it. And He fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John the Baptist tried to refuse Him. And Jesus said, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. We think of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It took all of those things for us to be saved. 
for us to be able to have salvation. But not only that, it took His life as well. A perfect life had to be presented to God in order for there to be salvation for us. In Romans chapter 5, it says we shall be saved by His life. How much do we think about this life that Jesus lived that no one else ever has, no one else ever could, that has provided salvation for us? He has secured perfect righteousness for you and I. He has provided righteousness for us. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, the Bible says. There are those who are offering their own righteousness when God has clearly made it known it comes up short. The Bible says if we fail at one point in the law, we fail at all the law of God. And that's simply to show the perfection of God. The perfection that was required to satisfy Him to offer us salvation. And Jesus did it. He secured perfect righteousness by the keeping of the entire law all of His life. And what Jesus has done will completely save anyone who trusts in Him. By faith, His righteousness becomes our righteousness that satisfies God. To know Christ is to have the righteousness that God approves of. To be able to stand before God, not offering ourselves, but offering the righteousness of Christ. And God is satisfied with that for any soul that comes to Him as Lord and Savior. This is why Joseph and Mary were led to the keeping of all of the law that had anything to do with Jesus in His birth and as an infant and as a baby. To fulfill all the law, He would for the rest of His life then take away our condemnation by the fulfilling of the law. He would give us life. He would take away death. Give us a standing before God that satisfy Him. The believer is cleansed and the believer is covered by a complete righteousness that Jesus gives. Spiritually speaking, what, what happened when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ we were able to cast off those grave clothes and we were given a pure white robe of righteousness in Christ. That's what He has provided for us by His perfect righteousness. I'll take Jesus' righteousness. There are those who will take live as good as you can by our own righteousness, but that's, that's vain and that's a waste of time. But the righteousness of Christ, that means life. Our own righteousness and doing the best we can, that means death. That means eternal death. But there is a righteousness that is perfect from Jesus. 
I'd also like to talk about a perfect rearing tonight. We see in verse 39, or for you younger people, a perfect raising. The raising of Jesus. We see it says in the middle of verse 39 that they returned into Galilee to their own city. A perfect rearing of the Lord Jesus Christ we find here. This gospel account that we've read tonight says that after the presentation of Jesus in the temple, that they went back to Nazareth. In the gospel of Matthew, we find a trip to Egypt. We find a few other things written in there. There are those who would say that the Gospels are contradictory. When the Gospels have the most beautiful harmony when you study them out that you'll ever find. You won't find any contradictions. You will not find in any timeline in the Gospels where they would claim for Jesus to be in two places at one time. Physically while He was on this earth. There are no contradictions. There are additions, additional information, and it all harmonizes when you take the four Gospels and you bring them together. A study of this finds the Gospels not to be contradictory, but complementary one to another. And so Jesus was reared, was raised in Nazareth. Jesus was raised in a place that was despised. In a place that was a reproach to the people. In the Gospel of John in 146, a question is asked. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus Christ was raised in Nazareth. Just as the place of Jesus' birth was very humiliating in the stable outside of the inn. The place of His raising was humiliating also. You know, Jesus can not only relate to people in their severe circumstances, but Jesus identifies with people in their severe circumstances. He lived it. And He experienced humiliation in his life, Nazareth was thought of as a despicable place. Yet, that's where Jesus dwelt in his childhood. The Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, that he took upon him the form of a servant, that he was made in the likeness of men. Though he was rich, the Bible says, for your sakes He became poor. The Bible says that Christ pleased not Himself. When we take a look at His childhood and His upbringing, we find a state of humility. Humiliation that He experienced. God used Nazareth to be the place where Jesus was raised. Why did He do that? Well, one thing it does 
is it shows that Jesus can relate to anyone. This quiet, close community, undesirable, known for nothing good. Small, quiet town. A place people didn't want to go. Can you, can you think about some quiet contemplation that Jesus might have had there? Did, did He only go into deep prayer and deep thought in the Garden of Gethsemane? Or maybe it was all of His life as He was discovering and knowing what His mission was upon this earth and, and growing into it. Don't you know Jesus did plenty of that in His younger years? As well as through His whole time upon this earth. Though a quiet, small, simple town, when you look at the geography of Nazareth, you will find two main roads. Not too far outside of the town. Many people would travel it. Many people of all walks of life. Can you just think for a minute of maybe Jesus up on a some kind of elevated higher place in Nazareth and, and able to see at a distance these heavily traveled roads filled with all kinds of people. And He had a, a purpose for being here and it was related to every single one of them. Can you imagine maybe what He was thinking as He watched people of different cultures and, and different parts of the, of the world traveling by? Maybe as he got older, he would venture down to the road and share truth with those who would pass by. All kinds of people, all nationalities, different cultures. Jesus shunned no people groups whatsoever. He came to die for the entire world. He came to live a perfect life of righteousness in the place of everyone in this entire world. Oh, what a church it's going to be in heaven one day. And He observed them with care and concern and compassion for their lost condition. Imagine Jesus looking at, upon someone in their lost condition. Desiring that they be found. The compassion that we have for those who are lost. Desiring that they have what's been given to us in salvation. Imagine Jesus, even in His younger years, in this place that was supposedly no good, Nazareth as he watched the well-traveled roads by various people. He must have loved that. He must, he must have loved hanging out among all the people. A place for a perfect rearing for Jesus. But let's go to verse 40, and let's consider a, a perfect reaching as we start to sum all of this up, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. The child grew. The Christ child. 
was manifested by miraculous birth. And he went through being a baby, through, through infancy, through baby, a young child. Why didn't Jesus come into this world as a grown man? Adam did. Why didn't Jesus? He came as a baby. Why? How, how about this answer? He went through all the stages of life that everyone would. As a baby, as a child, Jesus was a teenager. He was a teenager. He gets you. He's been where you've been. He experienced being a teenager. He's a great example for all. For all people in all seasons of life. He was a helpless baby. He was a dependent child. He was a teenager, young adult, growing in his learning and in his responsibilities. And again, that's, that's for our good. That's for our benefit to see. For Him to walk through these steps as the great example. Nevertheless, when our Savior came to this earth, He experienced these things. He experienced all of these things. Jesus went through the lowly stages of life. It's a humbling stage to be a baby, to be a child, to be dependent, to realize you need someone. You need someone to guide this step and that step. Even through teenage years, you, you need to be guided. And Jesus went through these humiliating stages in His life to become the responsible person He became. He went through the lowly stages in humility for the perfect reaching of every person. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The experience that he had even from being a baby, for the perfect reaching of every single person in every season of life that they are in. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Everyone knew that Jesus had experienced that stage as being a little 
child. He knew what manner he was talking about when he said that. He knew what attitude he was conveying when he said that. He not only knew it, he experienced it. And everyone else knew that he did. He experienced every situation, every condition, and every, every trial of mankind to be our great example. Not only that, but to be able to have great empathy. When we get that, most of us maybe already have that, but when we grow into that in our Christian life, to realize that Jesus has empathy for us. He, he's been there. And He knows exactly what our struggle is. That inspires and influences us to share everything with Him. When we realize He knows that experience of everything. But not only that, He's Lord and He's Savior. And He can do something about it. He might not do what we want done in the timing that we want done. But what needs to be done, it will be done in a perfect way, in the perfect timing for our lives. He knows exactly what we need in the midst of our struggle. He experienced it. He experienced them all. He walked in the deepest places of humiliation as He stepped foot on this earth. He stooped to the lowest points of human living. He identifies with us. He feels with us. And He takes us through every step of our lives and everything that's presented to us. He's there with us. And He says, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know how that feels. And, and this is what we're going to do about it. Follow me. Hebrews chapter 2. In verse 16 says, For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels. He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren. Do you connect that with what we're talking about? It behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren. Our experiences were His experiences. He knows. And He was there long before us. Why? He was made like unto His brethren that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Jesus knows. He's been there. Why didn't he come to this earth as a man? Why as a baby? He experienced every stage of life. 
just as we do. And the grace of God was upon him. Again, Jesus is grace. But he walked in the grace of God. And he depend, God the Son depended on God the Father for our benefit. For the example to us. Jesus is grace. He has grace for us. And He knows that we need grace. He can give it. And He came to this earth as a man to have the experience of that grace. That's what we all need tonight. That's what we all need every day. The grace of God. I like to think of the grace of God as inexhaustible fuel. Gas prices get up and you go to the gas station and you wish you could fill up once and never have to fill up again. You fill up on the grace of God and it continues. It continues for us. And we need it every day of our lives. We don't just need it for our sins and, and when we confess our sins, we need grace in everything that we do upon this earth. And Jesus has it for all of us. Jesus was miraculously born. He came as a baby. He came as a child. He went through teenage years. He came humbly and lowly. Let us think about that as we think not only of the birth of Jesus, but this continued account of Jesus. That He is everything to all people and all stages of life. God's given us the opportunity to talk to many young people about Jesus. And, and there has been those responses sometimes that, well, getting serious about church and, and all of this stuff, that, that's for later when I grow up and I get married and I have children. No, your life is important to Jesus Christ at all ages and all stages. Whatever you're struggling through tonight, whatever you have been struggling through, please know, please know that Jesus knows it. You're not left out on any end of the age Group, there's no age cap for it. And you're important to Him tonight. And He knows exactly how you feel. Before you go off in the wrong direction, before you get too exasperated and just throw up your hands, please look up to Jesus. He's for all people. In all stages of life. He's Lord and Savior. He created you. And then you were created in Him by faith. And you belong to Him now. And He loves you and He's going to take care of you. Please don't lose heart. There's no need for it. Because Jesus has everything you need.
But as I say that and as we close, is there simply that disconnect there tonight? That you don't know the saving grace of God. You don't know the experience of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You haven't had your sin burden lifted. Would you trust Jesus Christ to save you? There are many who have said they believe in Jesus Christ and it's, a, it's an argument, an unfortunate one, but an argument to make that many people who have said they have believed in Jesus haven't truly believed in Jesus. You're born again when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What is the evidence that you have been saved? Because the result of meeting Jesus Christ in our hearts is a life that's being changed. We're no longer the same when we become a child of God, born again of the Spirit of God. His Holy Spirit comes to live in us to redirect our lives to the things of God and away from the things of this world. It's a work in progress and we're steadily maturing, but there's a change. There's a change that takes place when we're saved. Never brush that off. Never, den never try to deny that. Never lose interest in the fact that Jesus Christ changes a life when He saves. Be sure of that. Be sure that if you're saved, your life is changing and it's steadily going to be changed. And if there's anyone here empty of that tonight, please make this an occasion of rejoicing for yourself and the greatest gift you could ever have. Salvation in Jesus Christ. Would you truly trust Him as your Lord and Savior to forgive you of all of your sins tonight? Would you come to know Him and then walk with Him daily in an experience you've never had before? It's out of this world. It's from heaven. Heaven came down in glory. Touch my soul. Let us bow to the Lord in a word of prayer. And then have a time of invitation. Father in heaven, Lord, we do come before you tonight. I want to thank you for your grace of taking us through this service tonight. I want to thank you for your truth. Lord, I can't think of anything better for us to do than to consider the precious life of Jesus. And even the things that we've discovered and shared from His young life. We thank You for the moment of Him manifesting Himself upon this earth that He set out to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill Your entire law. 
That's an impossibility for anyone in this world. Lord, if Jesus had not done that, we would have no hope. But Lord, tonight we rejoice and we thank You for sending Your Son who satisfied Your perfect standard in our place. And we get to present the perfect life of Jesus in our place when we stand before You. And we know it now and we know that our citizenship is in heaven and we rejoice tonight in what You've done for us. We thank You that You are perfect for all people. And if there's anyone here tonight who has never been saved, Lord, we pray that they would trust in Jesus Christ never to be the same ever again after being touched by the salvation of our Lord Jesus. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. If everyone